Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> On this, the ninth day of Christmas tide and the second Sunday after Christmas, we look ahead in the gospel reading selected to the Feast of the Epiphany, which takes place on January 6th, also known as Three Kings Day, in which the church celebrates the revelation of Jesus Christ to the Magi and therefore to all the nations of the earth. For the King of the Jews, whom the wise men sought, is the Lord of the world. Thus the Magi, who were Gentiles were looking for their king, the king of kings and the lord of lords. In God's plan of redemption, salvation comes not merely or solely to Israel, but through Israel to the world. And this was always God's plan, to have a world wide family. So the inclusion of the Gentiles was not God's plan B. For when God called Abraham, and we can think of Abraham as sort of an Adam 3.0, if Noah is Adam 2.0, because God calls Abraham and gives him a very Adamic, if you will, Edenic commission. It's the beginning of God's rescue plan for the world which has gone awry through our first parents. When God called Abraham, he promises him, he makes him a promise, that he will make of him a great nation. But he makes this promise not for Abraham's own sake, but that through his descendants, namely through his descendant, Christ, that all the nations of the earth would be blessed. God called Abraham, God called Israel, and a calling is a vocation, literally, right, etymologically. So a calling is, to put it crudely, a job. And God gave them a job of being a light to the nations, not to hide the light under a bushel so only they could enjoy it, but to illuminate the whole house, to be a city set on a hill. Isaiah 60, verse 3, the Gentiles, that is the nations, shall come to thy light and kings to the brightness of thy rising. The Magi, the Gentile Magi, the three kings, the wise men, they have lots of different titles and names, were led to the star of Jacob, which is Christ, by the star of Bethlehem. And the fact that they were led by a star points to the cosmic scope of Christ's kingship. 
and the cosmic scope of his saving work. That salvation is offered in Christ to all. Bishop Robert Barron wrote this. How wonderful that the sign of this king's birth should be a star. Something that can be clearly seen by every nation and from any nation. A star is a cosmic sign pointing to the cosmic scope of Christ's kingship and of his saving work. John 3, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. John 6, the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. The gospel, which is the announcement of, of the kingship of Jesus. It's the announcement of the God-man who died for our sins, who was buried, and who was raised up on the third day is, as St. Paul writes, the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. And this progression of salvation through Israel to the world, is seen throughout Scripture and seen in what we would call the Christmas story. The Jewish shepherds, who were keeping watch over their flocks by night, come and worship Jesus when? The very night he was born. The Magi, Gentiles again, come sometime later, and there's Estimates all over the place. As little as 12 days. It could have been as many as two years. But they, come, they don't come the night Jesus is born, the language in Matthew 2, because they come to a house. And they come to a house in Bethlehem still to worship the Christ child. Matthew 2, 11. So much is packed into this one little verse. And when they, the Magi, were come to the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. The Greek word proskuneo, rendered in the NRSV as homage, rendered in the King James as worship, occurs 64 times in the New Testament. And it's interesting, this is the same word that is used in John chapter 4, where Jesus says, God is a spirit, and they that worship him shall worship him in spirit and in truth. The point of meditation this morning is to, is to sit and to marinate in the fact that the Magi worshipped him. That the Magi worship him and the way in which they worship namely the gifts that they offer, 
reveal the person and work of the one whom they worship. St. Irenaeus of Lyon, who was a disciple of Polycarp, who was a disciple of the Apostle John, says this, The gifts of the Magi signify the mystery of Christ incarnate. Gold, a symbol of royalty, represents the kingship of Jesus. Frankincense, used in the worship of God, points to his divinity. Myrrh, a burial ointment, signifies the humanity of Christ, especially in his passion and death. So the offering of these gifts are not random. It's not only, it's not that the Magi bought what they could find same-day shipping on Amazon Prime. Is that, this is the best we could do. It's a revelation of who Jesus is and what he will do. In our case, what he has done. It reveals his kingship. It reveals his divinity. It reveals his humanity. It speaks of his redeeming and sanctifying death by which our sins are forgiven, by which death is conquered. And it's also a call for us this morning to join the Magi. To join the Magi in adoration of Jesus, offering unto him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. To offer the Christ child gold is to acknowledge in word and deed ever and always his lordship. To offer him gold is to walk faithfully before him, to offer to God in response to grace our bodies, our whole selves as living sacrifices. That is to have a faith that is as pure gold. St. Peter speaks of a faith, of a faith that has endured suffering and trials and temptations, that when, when we endure and we're faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ amidst those trials and temptations, he describes that as a faith more precious than gold. Gold is not destroyed by fire, but refined by it. And our faith is refined and strengthened and purified by fire, by the fiery trials which come upon us in this life, and by the fire of the Spirit, the Spirit that as is at work in us to transform us into the likeness of Jesus Christ, to burn away the impurities, the dross, so that we become like the one who redeemed us. And so when we endure suffering and hardship as good soldiers of Jesus Christ, 
And when we submit to the disciplinary and pruning or cultivating work of the spirits in our hearts, our faith, the whole of our lives can become an offering of pure gold to Almighty God. We offer to God frankincense. I mean, literally in the worship of the church. We just did it on Christmas Eve. And incense, as you know, denotes the presence of God. Think of the smoke that filled Solomon's temple at its consecration. Denotes the presence of the Lord. And incense denotes prayer. Psalm 141, let my prayer be set forth in thy sight as the incense. In Revelation 8, incense is is offered in the heavenly sanctuary with the prayers of the saints. And there's a relationship between the presence of God and the prayers of his people. Because prayer, in large part, is practicing the presence of God. Practice. It's practice being in the presence of God. Learning to live the whole of our lives in recollection that God is Emmanuel, that God is with us. That this, it's realizing that the whole of our lives is lived before God. That he sees all and that he knows all and that he is with his children. To offer the Lord myrrh, to offer the Lord spiritually speaking, is to, as St. Paul says, put to death what is earthly in you. Myrrh was a burial ointment. And so to offer the Lord myrrh is to identify with his death is to, as Paul says, to always carry around in our bodies the death of the Lord Jesus. It's to walk in the identity of the baptized, to recognize your identity as one that belongs to Christ, as one who has been baptized, laying aside the sin from which you were redeemed to which you have died, and putting on Christ, with whom you are seated in heavenly places. It's a run-on sentence, so let me say it again. It's to walk in the identity of the baptized, laying aside the sin from which you were redeemed, to which you have died, and putting on Christ, with whom you are seated in heavenly places. To offer the Lord myrrh is to engage in repentance and mortification. To recognize in heart, soul, mind, and strength that you have been crucified and risen with the crucified and risen Jesus. That you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So, brothers and sisters, let us offer Jesus gold. Let us ever acknowledge his lordship and walk in faithfulness before him. Let us offer him frankincense. That is, let us ever be with and before our Lord in prayer.
Let us offer him myrrh, crucifying the flesh and its passions, for we have been in baptism, crucified and risen with Jesus. And let us with the three kings ever be seeking the King of kings and Lord of lords. Let us say with them, we have seen his star. And moreover, we have seen the star, the star of Jacob, the light of the world. And let us remember our vocation as the church, which is to be the light of the world, pointing to the light of the world, which is Jesus Christ, our Lord. And finally, as we seek the Lord, as we seek the star of Jacob, Let us come, let us say with the Magi that we have come to worship him. Let us pray. O God, who by the leading of a star didst manifest thy only begotten Son to the peoples of the earth, lead us who know thee now by faith to thy presence, where we may behold thy glory face to face through the same Jesus Christ our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.